It's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, and this is Monster Mondays presented to you by Film Seizure. You can catch new episodes of Film Seizure with myself and Jason Oliver on Wednesdays, but Mondays, well, they're for me to talk about monster movies. This week, I decided to do a movie that I've seen on TV or various Roku channels over the years. The Mad Monster is a 1942 horror movie, and I'd say this is an example of how universal horror films of the 30s and early 40s greatly influenced other film studios to try their damnedest to copy it. Even MGM attempted a movie called Mark of the Vampire that was directed by Todd Browning of Dracula fame and starred Bela Lugosi as a very Dracula-esque vampire. But there were a ton of old movies, particularly in the 40s, that seemed to really want to ride the coattails of Universal. Producers Releasing Corporation released The Mad Monster. They had not yet really dived headlong into trying to create cheap horror movies, but they were less than a year or so away from doing so. They had made a movie in 1940 called The Devil Bat that starred, you guessed it, Bela Lugosi. Well, here, Lugosi probably wasn't available, so PRC got George Zuko, who had been in a couple of universal horror movies. They also got Glenn Strange, someone who'd eventually play the Frankenstein monster for Universal. They also got Reginald Barlow, who was in last week's movie, The Bride of Frankenstein. And Anne Nagel, who had been in Universal's man-made monster with Lon Chaney Jr., who I'm going to talk a lot about before the end of this month. So, yeah... PRC, part of the Poverty Row group of production companies that would crank out schlock, they really wanted to get some easy money off the universal horror stuff. In a relatively unremarkable horror movie that has risen to some fame over the years because it is in the public domain, I do want to talk about George Zuko. Zuko was already a relatively well-known actor by the time he was in The Mad Monster. He was born in Manchester, England, and it was claimed that his mother was a lady-in-waiting to Queen Victoria, but that actually was just a myth. She didn't actually hold a title in order to have been that closely associated with the Queen. He was a leading man in the 20s on stage in the UK, And by the mid-30s, he had made his way stateside and scored the role of the heavy Professor Moriarty in the Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce Sherlock Holmes series of movies. Ultimately, he worked rather steadily until he retired due to, to declining health in 1951. And through the 50s, he sadly battled dementia before passing away in an assisted living home from pneumonia in 1960. As it turns out, his wife, Stella, actually lived to uh, the year 1999, where she was 99 years old. He's an exceptionally talented character actor. He likely would have remained somewhat of a leading man in the UK, but really, if you wanted to be in film, you almost had to come over to America back then. The movie begins with Zuko as Dr. Cameron in his spooky lab. He's got a caged wolf and his slow-witted gardener, Petro, who's played by Strange, and uh, Petro is strapped to a bed. He's taken some blood from the wolf and injects it into Petro's arm. And after injecting him, Cameron watches the man transform into a werewolf-like guy. 
Cameron then talks to people at a table who are really more like ghostly images, and he's kind of reenacting a conversation claiming that using these wolf guys as a military force, uh, they could really kind of really sell it to the military and potentially have a a pretty uh, strong army, if you will. But his colleagues just really kind of think he's just a complete wacko. So Cameron decides to levy an atomic bomb of a threat on them. Force me out, and I'll see to it that you are killed by the very scientific experiment you scoffed at. That's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty big threat to make, and uh, apparently, they really just kind of thought that he was that much of a of an insane wacko at that point that they didn't even really bother to call the authorities or get any extra protection or anything like that. Now, Lenora, Cameron's daughter, wants to leave and return to their regular home. But Dr. Cameron just says that they will not be leaving until his work is done. In kind of a sweet little scene, Petro picked some flowers uh, for Lenora as a sign of friendship. And she asked the big old lug what he does with her father in the lab. And Petro says that he really can't tell because he doesn't know who that person would tell and so on. But, but Lenora says she won't tell anyone. And just as he is about to spill the beans about the work they do, Cameron approaches and and tells Petro to go to the lab. There, Petro wolfs out and is let loose. And that night, Petro kills a girl, proving his experiment is, one, a success, and two, will allow for Cameron to now turn his monster on those former colleagues who shamed him. After that area kid and some of the jerk doctors wind up dead, Petro talks to Lenora and says that he's been having these terrible dreams. She herself seems overly worried about the various nighttime wildlife she hears. And when Lenora's boyfriend, a reporter who is covering the murder, shows up, Cameron kind of chases him off, making Lenora worried for his safety. But as it so turns out, reporter Tom ends up at the home of the dead kid's father who tells Tom about the scary beast that seemed to walk on two legs that scared off his friend and mauled his daughter. Problems arise as Cameron realizes that Petro can turn into a wolf without the docs knowing. While he is still somewhat able to command Petro, he's starting to get a little worried about Petro becoming too hard to control and ultimately really dangerous. Later, Another one of the scientists who ridiculed Cameron is invited over to be shown a breakthrough that he's made, quote-unquote. However, he still thinks Cameron is a nut. And when he leaves, Cameron asks if the scientist would drive his gardener to town. The intent, of course, is for Pietro, for Pietro to, uh, to transform in the car and ultimately kill that scientist. He transforms, but doesn't actually quite finish the job. He's scared off by the reporters and some locals hunting the beast. And Tom brings the attacked scientist back to the Camerons. Tom says that when the town doctor can check him out, they will finally learn who or what has been committing these murders. Before the town's doctor can get there, Cameron is able to slip into the room where the scientist is and kills him. Elsewhere in the house, Lenora finds her father's lab and eventually lets in the wolfed-out Petro and is nearly attacked by him. 
Lightning strikes the home and the house catches fire. And while the house burns, Petro kills Dr. Cameron while Tom and Lenore escape, leaving Petro to die in the fire. So let's get to my three things that I like about this movie. First, while the performances are all fairly good, I especially like Zuko's Dr. Cameron and Strange's Petro. Zuko is really good as a heavy. He can also come off as threatening and a little intimidating for being kind of an older actor. Zuko's mad scientist is fairly standard in a stock bad guy kind of way of that era, but his name maybe added a little extra prestige to the movie. As for Glenn Strange, his simpleton gardener turned monster is really pretty sympathetic. He's very kind and sweet with Lenora, and it's sad to think how Cameron kind of uses him as an instrument of revenge. Worse, he's additionally sympathetic because this guy was tinkered with only to die horribly in a house fire. Next, I kind of like this different take on a werewolf. Basically, they made the Wolfman without it being the Wolfman who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. Instead, you have a man-made werewolf. He's got a unique look that is not trying to copy another version of a werewolf. The transformation effects are fairly decent, too, for a small-budget movie. And there's a really great transformation when that scientist guy leaves angry from, Cam from Cameron's place and he's driving Petro to town. Petro's head is down because he's kind of drugged up by Cameron or he's not feeling very well or something. I don't quite remember seeing like a, a like an obvious edit but about 10 seconds later with the camera still on him he lifts his head and he's in he's in his full werewolf makeup it's a pretty solid transformation and i definitely appreciate trying to do that transformation thing a little different than what had been seen up to that point lastly this movie had exactly what i wanted it to have for for it to be selected for this october of spooky black and white movies theme it has atmosphere to spare. It's a plantation house way out in the middle of nowhere, so it's super dark. For some reason, it's really, really foggy that week in which the movie takes place. Late in the movie, there's a thunderstorm with lightning and such. It's what I look forward to seeing in movies around Halloween, and if nothing else, I'm just glad to have an ooky spooky movie with lots of dark, foggy, and stormy nights. The Mad Monster isn't exactly well regarded. It's generally thought of as a pretty low budget and kind of bland, all things considered. However, uh, there are some decent things to point out. And hell, at only about 78 minutes in length, most anyone should be able to stick it out. The movie is obviously made on a really tight budget as there are only about a half dozen people ever seen in the movie. And there only seems to be three sets, the house, the outside grounds around the big house, and the lab. However, all that said, it's brief runtime, and the actors all really kind of go for it in this movie. May not quite have been everybody's cup of tea, but it's far from some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in my life. So that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. Until next week, I'll see you later. And don't forget to check out new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday and a new installment of Monster Mondays each Monday on FilmSeizure.com. And also be sure to check out new posts at my website, bmovieenema.com, each and every Friday morning.